0: Are you guys ready to rock and roll? Um, sure. I
1: don't know about rock. Perhaps pebble okay. and um, <laughs> slide sideways very slowly.
0: All right. Well, uh, we are back with another episode of Kaiju Transmissions. Um, I am Bird. Matt, how do you want to handle your introduction this time? I am Matt. Okay, that works. No. We are joined. <laughs> <laughs> we are joined by a special guest. I have with us Chris Marty, yay! Who, depending on what order I put these out in, you may know from the politics of Shin Godzilla episode. Um, and he is also the composer of the Future Kaiju Transmissions theme song, and uh, he has his one-man music project because he yelled at me for saying one-man band last time. Uh, I did not yell. Oh, well. notice as Cosmic Monster, and uh, he is on here to join us be- because um, one thing I know about Chris is he is a music uh, guru, connoisseur, and a musician Nerd. himself. Yes. Um, I remember at G-Fest several years ago, uh, that is when I, he was sleeping on my floor all weekend, getting into several heated debates with him about music and being very, uh, impressed with just how much he knows. Uh, cause he'll be able to tell you all kinds of bullshit, like time signature stuff that no one, I, no one within their, in their right mind knows what any of that means. I don't understand other music. musicians who know things more than me. <laughs> <It's just> everyone, <laughs> I don't understand music theory at all. Uh, but we we've quickly bonded over similar music interests, uh, mostly within the rock and metal world, but also in film scores. Um, and uh, obviously, kaiju music is something Matt and I have talked about plenty of times, either on or off the air, um, and we. Wanted to do an episode about kaiju music and see how it goes. And maybe we'll end up doing something about a specific composer at some point later. Um, but this is just to kind of get our feet wet into talking about music. Because if there's one thing we haven't talked about enough, it's music. Um, so we're just going to talk about um, different composers, um Chris, I'll probably talk to you about um, some of the stuff that you you like to do, and um, then the three of us will talk about you know our favorite composers, our favorite uh, cues, favorite scores, and then in the back half of the show, we're going to do something kind of a little bit more experimental, kind of just to do something new, um, maybe and hope that it, some people might think it's fun. But kind of have a little mini radio show because Chris is. Um, uh was nice enough to prepare a small playlist of just some some standout tracks so um uh well chris first of all you've how long have you been playing music yourself
1: uh 35 seconds no um about (laughs) god um that's a good question. I, I have to do some mental math, but he I will just even say uh, middle school. I think. Okay. Yeah, middle school. Well, no, I, I did percussion in school band in elementary school, so that was the beginning. Uh, just because obviously <laughs> the most logical thing when you're a little kid is you want to hit things that are loud. So it's there, and then picked up actual things with that hit that make notes um, in middle school, and you know t- t- took lessons to a point and self-taught to another point, and learn from musicians I've worked with who are much, much more talented and smarter than me.
0: Um, Another thing people might not know is, do you remember a few years ago, I think it was my last semester of college, I wrote a paper about you. What? Oh, yes. (laughs) You don't even remember I wrote it. Yes, I wrote a paper about you. Um, That's when you were doing uh, Beauty and the Liquid Men. Yes, which it's turned into Cosmic Monster because I couldn't find a band.
1: Well, I, I did find a band, except I kept firing them. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: basically you're, like, Bird at his current job? <laughs> yeah. Firing <laughs> a, a bunch of g-
0: dumbasses. Firing specialist? <laughs> um, and, Matt, am I wrong? You played, too, don't you? At least a little bit? Uh...
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I play guitar, and I don't know that, that what I do is considered playing as much as I make noises. But yeah, I, I play.
1: <laughs> hey, that's all we—that's all we are doing, man.
0: <laughs> Making noises with different things. Um, and uh, Beauty and the Liquid Men—that that that, that name—that's a deep cut. Matt, do you know yeah, what man. that? You know what that is?
2: I, I, no.
0: I no <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> that is the Japanese title for the H-Man.
2: That I, I thought that for a second, but I thought if I guessed and was wrong, I'd just come off as being a doofus.
0: you look even
1: dumber? Yeah. yeah well, I was like, the goal is to make cuts that are so deep that even the nerds go, God, man, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, that entire release that you're talking about was just st- stupid obscure references that who cares it was instrumental (laughs) music so i had to think of something and it it, you know being obsessed with this stuff and the music and the imagery i just kind of tried to put it together into a thing that kind of makes sense to me
0: (laughs) one of my favorite i think you i think you only did those two tracks but you did a very kind of um metallic version of a couple ifukube cues under the name this is tokyo Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. But those yeah. were, I, I love that. Um, again, and Matt, this is, to- do you know what that, do you at least know what that's a reference to?
2: Are you talking about the uh, Steve Martin?
0: There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, a famous uh, bit of the comedian Steve Martin. <laughs> no, it's the first, yes, you're right. It's the first line in the uh, U.S. version of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um well, I, before we get into that, I, I want, let's take about—there's there's been some news items. Let's take a, a good five or so minutes to a, a acknowledge the things that are, are, uh, are, are coming around. I have breaking news uh, first reported five hours ago in the Harryhausen realm. Uh, does anyone know what I'm talking about?
2: Yes, we got to see the new King Kong.
0: Uh, that has not, man, you're, we're, we'll get hey, there. That's, that's kind of related. Yeah, but it's not, that's not breaking enough. I'm not talking breaking as in like. That's like
2: the same exact
0: time. Not line, like a twig. Sort of. <laughs> I'm not talking about.
2: Kind of uh, related.
0: I'm not it's talking about. I'm, was... <laughs> I'm not talking about breaking as in like 10 hours ago. I'm talking about breaking is in like five hours ago. Oh. Well, he's back from the dead. Oh. I wish. Uh, I Kino Lorber. ...has announced on February 14th a U.S. Blu-ray release of One Million Years B.C. What? Uh, A brand new 4K restoration, including both the 100-minute British cut and the 91-minute U.S. cut. Uh, Audio commentary by film historian Tim Lucas... A interview with Raquel Welch, who, damn, she's fine in this movie. Uh, and uh, interview with Ray Harryhausen. Interview with Martin Beswick. Uh, montage of posters and images and trailers. I am wow. going to pre-order that uh, very soon. So let's talk kaiju music. Um, so I mean, I'll just say from the even when I was a kid and music wasn't really on my radar. I always love the music in these movies. I mean, especially the Fukube stuff. I mean, I, is there anyone here that were, that's not their favorite composer for monster movies?
1: Nah, he, he's definitely my favorite.
0: I mean, Sato
1: is pretty high up there for me. I'm a pretty big fan of Sato, but Fukube is always going to be number one. I'm trying to think of any non-kaiju scores off hand that really are like, oh, this is one of my favorites, but it's you know, if Fukube is kind of probably gonna be number one for uh as far into the future as I can think of. Yeah,
0: if Fukube is probably my favorite film composer, honestly, like my Mount Rushmore would be like if Fukube Bernard Herman, uh like uh John Williams and like um uh Geez, I don't know. There's too many that I could put for a yeah, fourth. You, got a th- you can always get three quarters through that Mount Rushmore, because I'm with you on all three of those. When I get to the fourth one, it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, some days it might be Jerry Goldsmith. Sometimes it might be, you know, uh, uh, James Bernard. Sometimes it might be Max Steiner, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, uh, if Fuku Bay is definitely the champ for me. And uh, I've said on this very podcast, like, a lot of his marches, his marches are the best. Uh, A lot of his marches get me just as pumped as I would get if I put on, like, a Slayer record or something. Like, they're just, there's so much energy going on. And I, I can't think of a composer that really nailed what a giant monster movie should sound like better than he did. Like, the Sato stuff is great, but, like, it's totally different. Yeah, the, Fuku-bei the, the Fukubei's music sounds like his monsters. Like he's great at characterizing
1: them by using unconventional instrumentation, um, just different techniques, like extended techniques of the piano. I mean, he he knew how to characterize with sound, and that's part of what film composition is. And also, you know, some of the sound effects that were created that you know for the original film and some of the subsequent ones. Where you know obviously Hukubay and whatever the sound technicians were, who unfortunately I know nothing about, which kind of kills me because uh, they were brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the the sounds were created by orchestra or by a combination of of different music technologies. You know, tape feedback for for a laser sound effect or something.
0: And the most uh, um, important one, obviously, being Godzilla's roar, which. Famously, was manipulated after recording a, a sound of a, a, glo- a glove being rubbed on a, a contra uh, contrabass. Well, well, actually, <laughs> uh,
1: here, here we go. Uh, uh, actually, uh, it is. It was a coarse leather glove coated in rosin, uh, grabbing and scraping against the strings of a contrabass that was missing its back. Um. So oh, wow. what I take, and I think the string pegs were also loosened um and then it was manipulated and combined with some other animal sound effects from what i understand mm-hmm. but ultimately it was really that main manipulated sound effect that was um that main manipulated sound of the contrabass that i think was the primary sound there with just little bits kind of mixed in of different
0: animals sped up or slowed down i just realized i pulled a mat and i pronounced it contrabass. <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. his roar was it, a glove was rubbed on a fish
1: um, fish was not happy. He produced a
0: very <laughs> low groan. Um, That's the best. And if Fukube, it, at least in my opinion, um, it, it doesn't stop at the Godzilla movies. Uh, like the Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuas have great soundtracks. Um, and Matt, we were just talking a few weeks ago about the, the score for Atragon.
2: Yeah, It's great. Uh, he, he's also my personal favorite composer. Like I'd put him up against anybody, um, and he, he just—I don't know—his his scores have such, in my opinion, raw emotion. Especially like if you listen, even to like the original film score. Like there's something about that, the the choir composition, and I don't know everything that 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 he touched um, is ingrained in those films, and it's I don't know. For me, um that is why I like his his film so much is because he when he was writing the the, the music like he understood the characters and he understood what was going on in the screen and he actually wrote from what I understand like a lot of stuff he got to see the film and he was writing to the stuff that was actually on screen so like that's um, that's something I really admire about his work and I, again, I'd put him up against any composer, not not just Godzilla or Kaiju Films or, or anything like that, just any
1: composer, period, and he would be my favorite. Are you guys fans of any of his concert works at all?
0: I haven't. The only concert works I'm really familiar with are stuff like that filtered into the Godzilla stuff, like stuff that was used in like the Godzilla versus Gaigan score, um... And stuff like that. Maybe like I'd see a YouTube video or, or two, but I'm not overly familiar. No.
1: Oh well, you're you're in for a treat. um If you love his film scores, I mean, they're not going to be as uh, I'm trying to think of the word because he he uses a lot of chromatic stuff in his film scores for kaiju, where it's a lot of just strange intervals between notes, and it's kind of what helps characterize them so much. But his concert works, he often borrowed a lot of snippets for his scores. Mm-hmm. And, you know, though they are different to a point, if you love the sound of his film scores, seek it out or I can let you know which things to listen to. Um, it, brilliant, breathtaking. Uh, I had the privilege of seeing one of his, I think it was his last student, um, Atsuko Kawakami in New York, perform um, Japanese Rhapsody and one other piece that i am blanking on right now unfortunately and it was breathtaking um japanese rhapsody uh it was one of the pieces that really kind of pulled me into appreciating classical music after being a film score dork for most of my life uh his, his concert works are really really worth checking out and if you like the marches and you like the uh energy behind that i mean the original recording of, uh, Rimika Ostinata, uh, is out of this world. The, the, the fury and speed of this orchestra. It, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, I'll, I definitely check that stuff out. Um, now, uh, if I think the only, um, Non kaiju score I know of his is the one for the quiet duel that he did with Kurosawa, which from what I understand those two didn't get along. Um, but with that being said, I've I, I've listened to a, a good chunk of his film music, and I haven't heard anything I don't like. Um, and uh, even even like some of his uh, I guess softer tracks are really, really good. Um, like, uh, there's, I don't know the names of the tracks, but I know there's, I'll just call them love themes. Um, there's one in King Kong Escapes, and there's one in uh, Battle in Outer Space, uh, and they're both just stunning pieces of music. Um, and then another one that's kind of not not typical, I guess, of him is, uh, and one of my favorite tracks of his is Requiem from Godzilla vs. Destroya, which is the the music that plays as Godzilla dies at the end but um I just re- and I remember him saying that he wrote that track as if he was writing the music for his own funeral and um I don't know it's 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 a very appropriate uh piece for his last piece of film music I think
1: Absolutely. I mean he, he all he borrowed from himself a lot and that that is one of the criticisms that a lot of people have, and understandably so. I wanna say even Requiem I wanna say that was even taken from another work. A lot it was, of it was.
2: it was it was taken from um, a piece in the original film, I'm pretty sure. I'm like almost 99 percent sure it was
0: part no, of No yeah, it was like uh it's like a re it's reworked from a piece from the fifty four score, I think. It, I still it, it, think it may have even predated that. We had be. a
1: lot of stuff that was predated. Like even the Godzilla theme was from another piece.
0: Yeah, like I know um, the 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 army march in the original movie um, was taken from a piece called Kishimai. Are you familiar with Kishimai?
1: I've heard it maybe once or twice. It's not one that I'm super familiar yeah. with.
0: I know oh. that because um, I was I was lucky enough to attend both G Fest concerts, and um, before the second one, Symphonic Fury. That was a track that they the the orchestra played was Mai and they prefaced it by saying, like, you will recognize bits of this piece from from the movie soundtracks. And then also was it Varan that, that the the theme for that was later turned into the I think it was the Ghidorah theme.
2: Yeah, it was that it was the Ghidorah theme.
0: And then the Battle in Outer Space March was later turned into the Monster Zero one, I believe, as well.
1: Yeah, I mean he he, ha- he understood that he had have had a brand I think, with his sound, almost like John Barry in the Bond films, which I, I keep bringing up these parallels. I did this in the Shin Godzilla podcast as well, um, where you've got this a uh, long running series with a one composer that really establishes an iconic sound and borrows from themself and just really helps create that inclusive world, I guess, um, or some sense of continuity. Like uh, and I, that's one of the reasons I think Ifuka Bay stands out so much as a composer is you know you look at any other film series, and whenever the composer changes out, there's a tonal shift in the film, and you know with Kaiju films, they can be so different depending on the composer but if Hukubei is the one that ultimately was he he created that sound, he helped create that vibe, that feeling that atmosphere, and that characterizing of the monsters through you know through his orchestral arrangements really
0: and you really do get um uh kind of probably obviously deliberate homages to him in other monster movies since like um I know everyone talked about at the end of Cloverfield the music that plays during the credits is a clearly ifukube reference um even in the 2014 Godzilla which I do have to ask where are you on the the display display he's french so i can't say his name where are you on the, the sc- yeah? Where where are you on the score for 2014? Because me and Matt disagree on this, and that I actually quite like the score, um, whereas Matt is really not into it at all.
1: It's really terrible. Oh, sure. so uh, I'm mixed. So I love the theme. I think if you ask me it to write fine. Theme, I, I think if I think if you asked me to write a theme for this series of films or for this characterization of, of the monster, that's it. It's it's fantastic you couldn't have asked for something better in my opinion it it pays tribute to the original in the sense that it's a repeated ostinato you've got instead of the banana banana banana, banana, banana you have this a same kind just altered enough but familiar but at the same time where i think he fails was that he failed to characterize the monsters he just wrote a score that's not a theme for the monster that's a theme for the movie uh, he did not characterize the monsters with their own themes. He didn't differentiate anything. It's just a score for the movie. Yeah, uh,
0: like he, like for and, instance, the the mutos don't have their own
1: cues or anything. Yeah, he just added a couple of synthesizers when they're on screen, but that's it. And even then, it's it's still not really anything identifiable, in my opinion, at least. Uh, I. I you know, I would have been excited to hear him come back, but the issue is, even in the interviews, he said he he only watched the original one, which had little to nothing to do tonally with, with this movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're you're asking a dude to score a movie, that and really nail a, a specific kind of vibe, but then only referencing the movie that couldn't be farther from the vibe they're going for.
2: Well, all all of his movies, like the, the Harry Potter films and such, that's how he scores all of his work. They're just. His his films are are basically scores for what's going on on screen, and and they don't present um, themes for for specific characters, which is what you see in the Godzilla films. Yeah, and like I actually like, like you said, I'm okay with the theme. The main theme for the film is for Godzilla, but you're right, there's nothing else after that, and that's what I don't like about most of the music is that it's just kind of there, um, and, and that that's the biggest problem. But that's how he scores all his films. And that's why I think he's kind of the wrong choice for a composer.
1: Like, uh, I, I, mean, I, I will say this, though. He nailed something that I never expected him to nail. He did the same thing that a Hukube did with the original Godzilla, where he was quoting Igor Stravinsky's Rite of Spring with his chord voicings. So the, uh, this, is, this is some deep music nerd. <laughs> that, I, I don't know how many other dorks out there in the world are like music nerds, film score nerds, and monster movie nerds. So in the original film, when there's the, the radio tower uh, sequence where they're all taking pictures, and there's this really dissonant, repeated, like, bum, 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 just this constant, repeated chord. That chord is, look, it sounds like it's a permutation on chords used in Igor Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. And Stravinsky was a huge influence on Hukube. And it's it's pretty obvious. When you fast forward to the Desplat's score... He also used a variation on that same chord for uh, one of the one of the music pieces for when they were moving the bomb towards the end of the movie. And honestly, even some of the arrangements throughout the film are a little Stravinsky-esque, Stravinsky-esque. So there's a
0: there's a slightly like ah oh, I can appreciate that I still don't love it but I can appreciate that I did not know that that's a pretty deep knowledge bomb uh, <laughs> Matt did you did you know that's why I made the big mind. had
2: no idea yeah this is <laughs> <news> to me
0: <laughs> and this is why we have Chris with us. Uh,
2: <laughs> um, in the uh, Evangelion episode with us, too, because that's just going to, like... My brain's going to explode, probably, when that happens. <laughs> uh,
0: so, w- and now, another... I guess it's not really controversial. I think most people have generally the same opinion. Uh, where are you on the... I gotta ask, man. Uh, especially because I know you're also a little bit of a prog rock geek. Where are you on the on the Final Wars score? Um... Uh... <laughs> let me think of the... <laughs>
1: I'll put it this way, I've listened to the whole thing front to back once. Um it has some moments, but it sucks. <laughs> like it's fine. It, it's look, Keith Emerson, I, I look, I love early ELP. Keith Emerson is incredibly talented.
0: I actually love um, his score for uh, Argento's Inferno. Inferno. Yeah, it's great. Um <laughs>
1: but man, with all due respect, the man, you know, recently passed away. Passed away is the nicest way of putting it. He he passed himself away, um, and it it just is. It's wrong. I mean, the (laughs) the movie is a hot mess, and it's it's you know, it has its moments. I'm I'm not going to crap on the whole score. There are some moments where I go, you know, that actually kind of works in its own strange way, and I try to remove myself because it's like, all right, finally, it's different. But it it just is kind of a mess. It sounds like he just used a cheap ass keyboard.
0: Yeah. Uh, just a lot of my favorite, uh, my favorite cue in the whole score is, because uh, it, it's mostly Emerson, but there were two other composers, um, uh, is uh, like the, the, I guess, main theme, which I, I think was, uh, I think it was Daisuke Yano, but the, the the one that comes on at the beginning of the freaking movie. Um, that's really the only cue in the, the score that I really like. I actually really like that theme the bow now 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 i like that yes i like that one yeah i agree that was the one thing that really stands out
1: <laughs> it's a bad theme for a terrible movie
0: <laughs> 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 um so i i mean I, okay so uh, if Fukube, i mean he's such a presence in the series that i'd imagine one day we'll just do a whole episode about him where I don't know. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about more more about who he was as a person, his upbringing, yada yada yada. But I, I mean, just I mean, we're just doing like kind of a, a, a kaiju music primer here. So Fukubei's is the big dog. We got him out of the way. Um, I think probably the second most, I guess, relevant composer, for lack of a better term, um, would probably be Masaru Sato, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so at least. Uh and he, his approach was very different. Um seems like it, when I hear that name, I think more um almost like more like more like tribal instrumentation almost. Um in and uh more upbeat, more um I don't know, if funs the word i want to use because the fukube stuff was certainly fun but it's it's a, it's a lot lighter it's a more uh it, it it perfectly matches the the june fukuda movies that he scored
1: oh totally i mean you got to remember this is one of the most in my opinion sato is one of those unsung geniuses um he has put out such a variety of interesting music in a in a relatively short time if remember this guy though he did all these kaiju scores he also did Throne of Blood for Kurosawa. Oh, he did he a lot did. of Yojimbo. He
0: did so, a yeah. lot of Kurosawa
1: stuff. But the, the reason I specifically say Throne of Blood is you compare that to, you know, even even something, uh, you know, Godzilla Raids Again and Half Human are both very of their time scores. They're really, in my opinion, nothing special. They have some great – they have decent cues and some moments, and they're well-executed, but he really isn't putting forward anything that really is like identifying him with an, a, a distinct sound at least. But when you hear something like Throne of Blood, you realize, okay, this guy has a pretty incredible breadth of work, and you hear – then you fast-forward to you know something like Yojimbo where you hear that sound. And that sound is he's really he was I know he was heavily influenced by Henry Mancini, uh who was a popular Hollywood composer at the time. He did uh, Charade, Experiment in Terror, Wait Until Dark, The Pink Panther, Touch of Evil. The list goes on. And he had his own non um non film works as well. I've got like a pile of his LPs. Um but he was a much more fun upbeat composer and he definitely used a lot of that influence were putting in more percussion more upbeat more big bandy sounds more jazziness and i you know i think his scores really suit the films that he did and though they're very much a product of their time i think they're a product of the time in the best way like um something that happened in the 60s in japan that the impact can't be under under um explained is in the early 60s the biggest band there was the ventures which are one of my favorite bands as well. Uh, they're an uh, instrumental band who you know, came out of just instrumental rock, but they kind of got lumped into the surf crowd. But it, what happened is they had these le- Play Guitar with the Ventures instructional LPs, so a whole generation of Japanese musicians learned to play guitar from a surf band. So subsequently there was this huge boom of surf bands and what they called group sounds, which is kind of like a post-Beatles pop rock thing but that surfy sound was really pervasive, and you hear it in a lot of kaiju scores in the 60s. You've got Ultra Q, uh, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, um, you know, twangy surfy guitar, tremolo guitar, using the guitar for weird effects. Um, you know, that is why these things sound the way that they do. Uh, there is a guitarist influenced heavily by the Ventures named uh, Yuzo Kayama, who's also an actor. He was in Kurosawa's Red Beard. Uh, and he starred in the Young Guy series of films. And he was in a a movie he starred in, I think it was one of the Young Guy films, it was a double feature with Monster Zero. So understand that this twangy guitar that everyone kind of, if people aren't a fan of his scores and they want the Fukube thing, you know, the the movies were made for a particular crowd, which was people who were listening to this type of music. And it really shows. He did the Iron uh, Iron Finger, Golden Eyes, Takarada films, he did kill for Hika- Kihachi Okamoto, which is a uh, kind of similar to his yojimbo score, where it mixes traditional Japanese instruments with jazz and big band, and just really cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I've always. Uh, it's funny you mentioned like hearing that that Sato sound because obviously, like like you guys, I grew up watching the Godzilla movies, and it wasn't until I was in college that I, I started, you know, becoming more of a, a, a film nerd and watching all the Kurosawa stuff, but I knew like instantly the first time I saw like Yojimbo and uh and High and Low, like I knew instantly that sound from the Godzilla movies.
1: Yeah, he, he really had a distinct sound that was vastly different, but also incredibly varied and to me very, very interesting. I mean you you reapproach any of these scores and as you listen back to them you realize how much of a just these weird instrumentations and strange arrangements just a really creative composer and you know if you go into his 70s work you know outside of uh Godzilla versus Godzilla, unfortunately it from what I've heard it's a bit more conservative like Japan Sinks and uh, Crest of the Wolf the scores are they're, they're orchestral scores and they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination but it just seems like the films at that time were calling for more of a, a straightforward sound than the the fun funky strangeness
0: he'd been doing yeah um, matt where are you on uh sato
2: i love all of it i actually like all the work that i've heard of his um, the thing that i appreciate about his music is that unlike some of the other non-afuku Godzilla composers that well, i'm sure we'll get to at some point his music fits what's on the screen um, and, you know, specifically, like, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, that's probably my least favorite score of, of the series,
0: <laughs> and... <laughs> is it that or the original Godzilla 2000 score? Same composer.
2: Uh, both are pretty terrible, in my opinion, but Space Godzilla probably edges that out slightly. Um, Sato's work is memorable, at least, and... Every time that I heard his work, like you said, like I knew exactly it was all the same composer every time I heard it, like instantly. And he has this, um, I I don't know, for me, the thing about the thing I want to take away from a film score is I want to I want to be humming that tune when I leave the theater. That's something I enjoy about a Fukabe scores is every time I leave, I, I watch a Godzilla film. The the or I watch a, a movie that has his music attached to it is I can remember something about the the movie and the music it was attached to something will come back to me later on and that's why I actually hated the splat score is because nothing was really that memorable Sato scores actually are memorable um, so that's one thing I really appreciate and, and and
1: I do like his music quite a bit spot on I think what you just said there with the me- being memorable when you're leaving a theater. Like, you know, as I, I just complimented this last score, I'm going to take that away immediately and go, yeah, you're right. A lot of it is not memorable. Yeah. It's it's it serves what's on screen.
0: But, you know, I feel like that's I, I, I feel like that's pretty common, actually. Like, uh, I, I'm i actually a fan of most of the like uh recent Marvel movies. But the one thing when I walk out of all of them is, what well, where was what? What was the music? What's Iron Man's theme? I have no oh, idea.
1: Bum, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just noise. It's <laughs> just, yeah, right. It's, yeah, it, it's... Like,
2: you never it, think about, like, everybody knows Jurassic Park. You can start humming it, and a million people know it, and that movie is freaking, what, 20 years old now? Like, I hum that that song, and my wife, you know, is, oh, Jurassic Park. Like, everybody knows the the great theme songs. People still know you know well, kids know that theme song now
0: it's like i can think immediately okay what's the michael keaton batman's theme i know it yeah what, it's but but if you song. were to ask me like what's the ben affleck batman's theme i'd be like i <laughs> huh <laughs> i don't know what's
2: funny is i still remember the wonder woman theme song from that film
0: <laughs> yeah was, that was the most standout theme in that whole movie
1: it's it's funny, though, because it's, you know, as someone who this, that's what I want to do with my life is make music for movies. If I could do every day, get up and make music for movies, I couldn't ask for a better life. No one cares. <laughs> Film scores don't matter anymore at all. In fact, they probably couldn't matter any less as far as big Hollywood movies are concerned. No, if it rumbles your seats and makes your bowels shake in an uncomfortable way, the score is working. <laughs> you know the the louder and bigger it is, the better. And you know, personally, for me, I, I don't care. You mm-hmm. know, there there have been some really cool scores, like Michael Giacchino is. I, I'm waiting for him to score like one of this expanded universe Legendary Pictures kaiju things. He is I think good.
0: He's, he's the new
1: John Williams. He's, what the, did, he's well, the only guy doing it.
0: Well, relating the topics, what what did you think of his? Uh his track that he did for Cloverfield, which was a clear Ifukube, like homage. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah, not I, my favorite I, thing he's done, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I agree. I would love to hear him tackle something like this. Um, and uh, you know who else I really like is, um, uh, 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 what's her name? Michiro Oshima, who did the Tezuka movies. Like her score is absolutely the best part of Godzilla vs. Mega which is one of, on the bottom, yeah, uh, of the barrel for me. But that the score is great, and I love her scores for the two Mecha Godzilla movies as well. I think um, like I love Otani, I love like I love a lot of these composers, but uh, I think her scores f- feel the most informed by Akira Fukube than I mean, than any of them.
2: Oh, by far. Yeah, definitely
0: by far. I definitely agree with that. I just think
1: that's I, I take a couple of issues with her scores, which I like them and I respect them. I, I think she's a fantastic composer. Um, that being said, I think, unfortunately, for for budgetary reasons, I want to say some of her scores were recorded in Russia. Um, the production on her scores, I'm really not a fan of. They sound very, very sterile to me, mm-hmm. um, whereas a lot of other. Sc- I mean, this is an issue I have with a, with some Japanese scores. Um they tend to go for a very sterile, uh, plain production, which really sucks the life out of them. And it doesn't matter how good the compositions are. They always just sound kind of flat. Like, I, I love so many of her themes, but they always just sound the recordings, not the performances, not anything. But the recordings always sound very like they, they don't call attention to themselves. So you have these themes that should sound big and bombastic, but they always just sound kind of laid back and muted, yeah. very muted.
2: Yeah, I I can see that issue with her. Like, I I understand exactly what you're talking about. If you if you have something that is um, not recorded properly, you do suck the life out of it. I mean, completely. You can absolutely kill the just the life in a a piece by not having the proper recording. I mean, you can. (laughs) Yeah, it's something akin to like Jason's, you know, the ha 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 thing. That's actually not what that is. You know, it's it's ma 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 because they had the they're using crappy recording equipment and it changes the perception of the sound.
1: Yeah, I mean, that actually brings up something about Shin Godzilla that everyone's complaining about the uh, monophonic recording and the sound (laughs) effects. And, you know,
2: yeah. And and that's the whole thing. I mean, it's you can tell a difference in that movie when you have the stuff that's newer, newer, that's been recorded and it switches back to the old stuff. It it takes you, for me, it took me out of the movie almost. I know some people are like, yeah, we love hearing the old music, but like when you hear the old music and then you hear stuff from Evangelion that's a little bit newer, and then you hear like the newer pieces that were recorded for the film, that constant switching back and forth in the theater, because the theater speakers are so good, it sort of was distracting, at least for me. I mean, I I can't speak for everybody on that, but I I saw several people um, say the, the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, it 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 was weird. Like when you have all this like slick Evangelion music, and then you have with what I mean, I love the soundtracks as much as you guys, but and then out of nowhere, uh, some recording from 1954 comes on. Sounds like it was recorded in a garbage can. Like you're you're you're. Hey man, you're that's what I like about it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna undercut. Uh, like it's gonna pull people out. Really. I think it what they like, were going for. Oh, go on. Sorry.
2: I was just going to say, it sounded like Metallica going to say anger from like the new stuff. Like they're like Metallica <laughs> say anger recording. I'm like, no, this is terrible. Stop it.
1: I mean, personally for me, I think what they were going for was to try to make your brain associate uh, something with the old movies. When you're, though you're seeing something that's just CG with, through the sound effects and the music, they're trying to kind of fool you into that. You're seeing the same kind of thing that you're used to. And personally, it didn't bother me that much. I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm a nerd for this stuff. I love the production and recordings of the original soundtrack. That's part of why I love it, actually. I think it really adds an ambiance. The fact that it's recorded, like, this, the fact that the tape is distorted, you know, I think it really adds something that isn't there uh, in subsequent recordings. Um, and, you know, in the sequence they used it, it was a little strange, but I, I was okay with it. Um at least the uh, the Godzilla comes ashore theme, which is what everyone seems to ha- be the most upset about, because it's you know this squiggly thing that just you know, <laughs> <laughs> squiggled itself. You know, it's such this
0: terrifying music, and it's this goofy googly eyed. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but you know, I kind of I kind of liked how how
1: weird that was. I personally it didn't bother me that much. I was like, all right, it, it sounds kind of strange and uncomfortable, and the thing looks kind of strange and uncomfortable. So fine, you know. But um, it's, it's a little strange,
0: you know. Uh, one One of my favorite Godzilla scores that I feel like no one really talks about is the one for '84. Oh, yeah, that's actually the oh. most similar I can think of to the new one,
1: to uh, Sagisu's tracks at least.
0: It's so like heavy on atmosphere, and um, some tracks sound like they could be in like a John Carpenter movie. Like, there's just <laughs> this like, there's this like. Almost like, uh, like the sense of dread in them that, it, it, like, paints the picture for the whole movie. Really, Agreed. yeah.
2: With that, Kuroko's score for that film to me is what makes that movie almost like it elevates it to be better than what it should be. Almost because I think if you change that the the score to be like anything else, it would it would almost. Change it it would make the movie so different that I I don't think it would be nearly as good. I I I wouldn't enjoy it as much. Like the atmosphere is so dark in that film, and that's kind of why I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if if you made it, if you changed anything else, I think I just I wouldn't like it as much. That's probably my favorite non-Fukabe score,
0: actually. Where are you guys on the Biolante score? Because that one's pretty divisive. Actually, that was the first CD I ever owned, ever.
1: That is I weird. Was, you don't just. I go didn't into... get into music. I didn't get into music till I was like a teenager, man. Yeah, uh, but you don't so... just go into like
0: a Best Buy and walk out with. <laughs> so, believe it or, or not, this uh,
1: CD. Funny story. <laughs> uh, there used to be these like email groups for this. Is going way back. This is going 1998, probably. Yeah. Um, like like like,
3: Yahoo.
1: Yeah, like no, Yahoo. not even Yahoo. Just like through email, these groups. Um, It may even before 98. uh, And someone had an extra copy. It was like, whoever responds to this first gets it. And I responded. I was a kid. asked my parents' permission, and they said yes. And uh, the guy sent it to me, and it was the first CD I ever owned. Of course, now I find out that the composer is a huge World War II atrocity denier, so it's a little uncomfortable, (laughs) but, you know.
2: Every time you listen to it, do you, like, hate yourself more?
1: No, I just found this out actually this afternoon, the uh, World War II thing. (laughs) Wow. Um, So now I'm like uh i don't know <laughs> very weird <laughs> yeah but as far as the music itself some of it i really like some of it i don't know it's another one where the production kind of kills it
0: it's always, very it has 80s that clown, yeah it has that like <laughs> it has that like crazy electric guitar like I remember Bio Wars. that music like when i first saw that movie like in the first like 10 minutes I was like, well, "Is this the right movie? Like, did I put in like, did I put in the right tape? Like, I just thought it was so bizarre."
2: He was um, wondering if he got like a bootleg version of Godzilla. Yeah, it's
0: like, <laughs> did, did some fan like tape over the music i it was just so in the, and then it's like on top of this footage of like people shooting each other with machine guns i'm like this is a godzilla movie what's happening <laughs> uh,
1: even worse it's like they rework the theme into it so it's just like this awkward they shift it into 4-4 so it's like you've got this scene that bad it's not in, it's not in 4-4 and they just kind of squish it together and kind of give it this weird thing that it just starts to sound really cheesy and oh I don't know. I, I like some of the creepier tracks on that. Um, the uh, Super X2 theme is, is not a bad theme. It's a little too John Williams for me. But, you know, I, I guess considering the scores that we were just complaining about,
0: it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Which score do you like more The for Godzilla 2000, the Japanese one or the U.S. one?
1: To be honest i've actually never seen the u s version of it how
0: what, what?
1: no I've not i've never seen the u s version i've only seen the Japanese one
0: how did you not somewhere. see it in theaters no i didn't why
1: at the time it just wasn't playing anywhere near me, and i didn't see it I mean I was at the age where I just really i there was a point when I kind of walked away from this stuff a bit because I was you know an angsty teenager mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know it yeah it wasn't <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't get in the fucking cockpit. Well, considering the time
0: uh, period, I was going to say, did the 98 movie, like, scare you away from the franchise? What?
1: Kind of, yeah. And also, I was just, you know, a different place in my life, I guess. I just really was trying to... I was a teenager. you yeah. know, not not thinking with my brain. Well,
0: what... Thinking with hormones. That's so weird. Like, So, like, what... When you think Godzilla 2000, you only have the Japanese version as a point of reference. So... What, yeah, what you... I'm going to see the original, the the U.S. version
1: when I have a few extra bucks to grab the Blu-ray right now. What, but that's what, about it. So,
0: what do you think of the Japanese version? I'm just curious. Give that a big ol' meh. Wow, it's like I I don't know if you listened okay. to our uh, our Millennium episode, but this is yeah, one of the yeah. cases where. Yeah, no, I,
1: trust me, that's what made me want to see it. I just haven't had the spare scratch to invest in Blu-rays. Also, my Blu-ray player took a shit, so that's, like, oh, to buy yeah. a Blu-ray means I have to buy a Blu-ray player again. But and that, then it's, like, another pile of money.
0: Like, it's such a fascinating movie because, like, the just with editing and rescoring and, and new sound effects, they took the Japanese version, and the, the U.S. version has a completely different tone the Japanese version seems a little serious. The U.S. version is very much more like a Showa kind of vibe. And personally, the U.S. version, I think, is just a better cut of the movie. The director and Toho even prefer that version. So, yeah, check it out. But no, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, personally, um,
1: I, I also
0: think the edit of 85
1: is better than The Return of Godzilla. I don't think it's yes, a better movie. but I think the edit is so much better. They tightened the shit out of that movie. And it really, oh, my God, it's watching the international dub of uh, the return of Godzilla is a painful, grueling experience, in my opinion. Uh, (laughs) It's a bad. It's a terrible. It's horrible. (laughs) And you realize how bad the editing of that movie is when you're not seeing the original Japanese dialogue and you're not distracted slightly by subtitles. Holy crap. That that one, I thought the whoever in New World cut that down dr pepper and other nonsense excluded of course but just the editing done to tighten the movie tighten up scenes tighten up pacing get rid of some crappy
0: shots of the cybot you know yeah i can agree with that i still prefer the japanese version but I, I it is a tighter edit for sure um uh and so where where are you guys on ko otani like him yeah i he's yeah. actually one of my favorite composers i love the Gamera scores and the gmk score and uh the one he did for Pyrokinesis, um, uh, he's he's awesome. Um, the GMK theme is actually one of my favorites of, uh, I guess, the last like batch of movies. Really, I actually love his
1: Gamora scores, but GMK, I, I I want to love it so much.
0: Yeah, I think the it's it's it's. I don't think it's as bad of a case is what we were saying with the 2014 movie but the theme really is like the best part of that score mm.
2: yeah his, his work on gamer is by far his best mm-hmm. yeah, and more memorable but gmk's fun um i
0: mean, you know one thing that I, no, go, no go on sorry
1: actually one thing that i i love about so many of these composers is what we've said with each one of them so far we haven't even gotten through half of these these people so far uh the second you hear them, you can immediately identify them. And that to me is really important in, in film score because we're in a point right now where most scores are just kind of Hans Zimmer knockoff, you know, nothings. They're not even a score. It's just like a f- couple of notes and some hitting and just repeat ad nauseam. They're, 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 yeah,
0: they're, they're there for visceral effect more than they are to say anything about the movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, where are you guys on Richiro Manabe? Love him. He's
2: the worst. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the worst. Oh,
1: man.
2: His, listen, we, we talked about the Toho Dracula films, which he scored. And I actually like those because his, his, his music fit those films. It's got that weird 70s vibe, but they're, it's kind of creepy. But for Godzilla, good lord. it's It's <laughs> not. It's... I got a literal headache the last time that I watched Megalon. Like, it gave, the Godzilla horn sound gave me a headache.
0: Oh, man. I just... His I, Godzilla I, I, theme is the weirdest one ever. Uh, it's... Yeah. It sounds like Godzilla's drunk. <laughs> so, to me, it sounds like, oh, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think he, Ah oh, man, it's just... I, I appreciate his score in Hedera way more than Megalon, and I think it's just his weird, his weird compositions fit Hedera, but Megalon is just more kind of your standard 70s Godzilla, and it, it feels a little more out of place. But I, I will agree that uh, his music does work a lot in the, the, the Dracula movies. I think horror might be a little bit better of a, a fit for him
1: yeah I, to a point i agree i don't think his music is that scary though i, I don't know if the horror is it's, a perfect it's just hit. kind of
2: like creepy in it, it yeah it's, it's, it's
1: atmospheric yeah i mean i think hedora is his best score personally out of all of them i i love how that works because like i'm a big obviously a big fan of, of japanese music and everything you know that uh, okay I've been i will ranting admit about,
2: in, his, his his score for hedora fits what's on screen i just hate the godzilla horn theme if you took that out of the film <laughs> I would agree with that. If you took just that part out, I could, I would totally be on board. But
1: Completely everything else, understand. like
2: it's so bad, I just want to bang my head against the wall.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I love that he has like this fuzz guitar, the weird wah sounds, distorted organ. This uh, there's this percussion instrument that all day I've been trying to remember the name of it. You hear it in all of his scores, and it's this thing that you you shake, and it's, it's a it's a metal thing that has two strikers on each side that are on, attached to springs. And as you put your thumb on it, on the on the, another metal part and shake it around, it changes the pitch. So you hear this weird kind of pitched metal sounding thing.
2: Uh, I can see how you are like a one man band. I really can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I can't sing though. That's the problem. I don't. It's all instrumental. Um, but uh, there's a, it's a really distinct sound. And I've been trying to remember the name of it. I'm not even kidding now. It's what, what is it? almost midnight. And I've been trying to think of this for about twelve hours, and I have not come up with anything. Um, But he uses a lot of really strange, strange, interesting arrangements. And for that one, it's like I hear a lot of sounds that are in a lot of Japanese psych rock bands at the time from the, the early 70s. And it kind of makes sense. You know, there's a Far East Family Band, Shinki Chen, Food Brain, Flower Traveling Band. Just a lot of these groups that had a very distinct take on how to use these instruments. And I hear kind of that same logic applied to scores when he's using some Western instrumentation, but it's also kind of cool that he was a Fuku student. <laughs> so there's these little moments where you can kind of hear, Oh, I see what he's doing there with the piano kind of droning. And he's, you know, layering on top of that. I don't know. I, I like his scores. I'm not going to say, you know, the best thing in the world, but I really think uh, they're really, they're interesting to hear. And it's, you know, distinct is sometimes all you can hope for, and, you know, I think the Godzilla theme fits Megalongs. It's just so goddamn goofy.
0: Mm-hmm. So goofy. It's, uh, like, we're talking about all these, like, I'm, I'm noticing we're mostly talking about Toho movies, like, it, I, I can't really, like, think of, like, aside from that annoying song, like, I can't really think of a whole lot of cues from, like, the original Gamera series, for instance. Like, No. The theme from have, the original Gamera movie sticks out to me, but nothing else, really.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's also, you know, it's different when you think about, you know, Toho versus Toei. Uh, no, excuse me, Daie. Um You know, Daie did employ Fukube several times, but I think with the Gamera ones, they were just like... I, I'm not even sure who did them. I, I think I even have the scores. Um <laughs> I, that shows how much when... I go back to them.
2: Sorry, I mean I was going to say done? I remember more the 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 Ziggur xylophone scene than the
1: score. <laughs>
2: the scores <laughs> of the camera films.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know the xylophone, um, and I mean obviously we could bring up Daimajin, but again that's that's more a Fukube. Um, those are good scores too, though. Um, is there, uh, does anyone have an opinion on the Godzilla 98 score by David Arnold?
1: I wish he didn't rip off Bernard
0: Herrmann. <laughs> I, well, the last time I watched that movie, which was with riff tracks, thank God, uh, was, <laughs> I kept, th- and they even, I think they even mentioned it, but I couldn't stop thinking about how badly it was, yeah, the, like, it's it's. Badly ripping off Bernard Herrmann and even John Williams, yep. um, and it's it's when it's not doing that, it's bearable. But yeah, it's just all the wrong things for a monster movie. Uh, the theme is okay, but that's as much as I can give it. Um, and you know, all this talk is really making me wish that Shin Godzilla had like an actual like prepared score. I mean some of it was
1: though. Some of it was. I mean the the tracks that were created for the film um I actually I think uh what is it? Who will know? I think that's one of the best tracks composed for the entire series personally. I think it's fantastic. It it I think it goes Is it, that
0: the one that comes on when he
1: is, nukes everything?
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, yes. that's a good that's a good piece.
1: And I don't I really some of the others I really don't mind either. I mean uh, persecution of the masses has one, one of the weirdest titles. Uh it's cool the
2: song yeah, placed in the movie though. It's yeah, weird. it
1: doesn't fit. Um <laughs> it's
2: weirdly placed in the film.
1: They just like smacked it in there. Uh the that the repeated uh timpani theme that's from Evangelion, which is just a knockoff of a John Barry cue from, from Rush with Love. Uh, I guess it's getting complicated. Um <laughs> that is just obnoxious. Um I got annoyed but,
2: with that too. Just because uh, I kept Yeah. But it is memorable. I will give it that because you hear it like twenty times,
0: and we yeah, get I mean, that we get that rockin' version of it, <laughs> the rockin' making <laughs> making coagulant theme.
1: And that was
2: hilarious <laughs> when they add the electric guitar to it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he he did
1: all right. I, I have to give the guy a little bit of credit for the thought he put into some of this stuff. So, you know, that theme is first introduced, and it's not as obvious that it's that theme. The first time you hear it is when the helicopters are surrounding. Um, What's the second form's name after it's Kamata-kun? What's the uh, no, chicken? The red one. Chickenzilla. When it when, when it when it turns from the the squiggly one to the long skinny one, uh, and the helicopters are surrounding it, the theme that's playing is actually the close to this, is based on the same uh, theme, but it's much more busy with different percussion instruments, and it's hard to pick out that repeated rhythm. And he does use it to score. The how everybody is working, which is, you know, it's conscious. It doesn't mean that I don't want it to stop every time I hear it. Like, it's still obnoxious. But, you know, all right. He knew what he was doing. Fine. That was consciously in there for whatever reason. He felt the need to use that obviously Evangelion theme in it. But, you know, I'm not him.
2: The weirdest theme in the movie, though, was like the day after the attack when they have like the. Uh, there's like the
1: uh, jazz the Tokyo thing, the
2: jazz flute. I don't know what
1: that
2: was <laughs> <laughs> It's like. What is going on? It wasn't the day after the attack. It was like the day after something happens. And it's like the city of Tokyo. And I felt like we were time traveling back to the 80s. It's
1: it's a very um, sterile jazz track. It just kind of is like, oh, business as usual. You know, it, it serves its purpose. It, it did have a comedic effect, I thought, when it kicked in. But it's still just weird. I mean, this, the tracks that work best are, for that one, it's like you've got Who Will Know, Persecution of the Masses, um, Defeat is No Option, which I still don't really know how those words in that order make any sense. Um, <laughs> I, I, defeat is not an option, is no option, I, I don't know. Um, the lyrics for that are just awful. The other lyrics to the, the, the pieces he wrote are actually, some of them aren't bad, especially Who Will Know. Um, it's all in English, which was a strange choice. But apparently he's done that in other scores. Uh, yeah, I don't that's, know. That's kind of
2: his thing. He, he does that often.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it was funny. Like when the Battle in Outer Space March kicks in at the end, like when the trains are going, I'm I laugh done. every time. <laughs> God. It's so it's out funny of place to me. So funny.
2: Yeah, it's out of place.
1: It's like, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's. But again, to be fair, they are literally throwing the country at him. So it, it, having a, uh, a Fukubei march does kind of make sense because you know military march and and you know the background of all of this, but it's just hilarious to hear that going when they're just like throw the trains at him and the trains are going to crawl up his legs, uh, throw the building at him, throw the other building at him, <laughs> go crane team one, you know it's
0: just it's so goofy. Um. Going outside of Japan for a moment, because you've mentioned John Barry a few times. That just reminded me that his score is probably the only good thing about the the seventies King Kong remake.
1: Oh wow, I forgot he did that.
0: Yeah, it's a great score. Actually, uh, it's better than the movie. I have to go back to it. I haven't seen the movie in a while. I'm I'm okay that's with okay, the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah,
2: don't don't do that to yourself. It's really bad. <laughs> it's, I, I recently did it. It's it's not.
1: Yeah. I think if I go back to it, I'm not going to like it as much. I've, I've seen it, I want to say, twice, um, probably with diminishing returns for the second time. I think I just the first time was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's different. Fine. Uh, but it's it was just a little uh, empty.
2: Oh, It's very empty. They do, the movie is like two two plus hours long and like there's no substance at all
1: you mean rick baker in a gorilla suit is not substance to you
2: i mean like the only thing they do is they have they have like the hot blonde chick there for eye candy and that that's all you get like that's all the substance there is for this film and like
1: rick baker in a gorilla suit isn't eye candy
2: (laughs) (laughs) you like the giant like rubber snake fight that's (laughs) oh yeah that thing is terrible
0: um well, we've, we've talked about, um, I mean, it's, it's documented, you know, Honda and Tsuburaya's affection for the original King Kong. But do, do you know if, if Fukubei was into that movie, or more particularly the Max Steiner score? Because I can see how maybe one could have influenced the, the Max Steiner score could have influenced Fukubei in some way. Do you know if that's something that he has listened to or, or informed his works at all?
1: I genuinely have no idea. Um, I can say John Williams definitely did because he pretty much plagiarized half of it for The Lost World Jurassic Park. But it's mm. also a fantastic score of its own right. But as yeah. far as a Fukube, I don't know. I, I I would assume he had to have seen it at some point given the film's popularity in Japan during the time when he was actually an active composer. But I really... I've ne- never read anything about that. Yeah, or if that, I have, I've forgotten.
0: Yeah, that that's a... That's a interesting question i'd like to know um uh i mean okay well we're we're going to get into this this playlist i mean are there any but you forgot one more Ooh, what... Kunio Miyai-uchi. oh yeah uh godzilla's revenge
1: yeah and ultra q ultra man the human vapor
0: yeah, uh, I'm not too into the Godzilla's Revenge score that much, but I, I, I love the the music in Ultra Q um, and the Human Vapor has a good score too. Um, uh, but yeah, Godzilla's Revenge, I don't know. It, it was always just kind of a it's kind of their score for me. Um, uh, I take it you're a bigger fan of it than than I am. I dig it. I mean, it's it's not up there with my favorites, but I think
1: it has some cool cues and some fun moments. I mean, his stuff for, uh, for Godzilla's Revenge and a lot of the Ultraman and Ultra Q music, is it's it's very fun. You yeah. it, you want to have fun with it. And it definitely helps the vibe of all of these things to keep it kind of moving and keep it light. Um, or, it, to be fair though, Ultra Q does have some really cool darker themes. Like, I want to say the Belunga theme is just like, you know, I want to say it's just a uh, you know, using the piano in a strange way. I think he's banging on the piano strings, or he being the musician, um, banging on the piano strings uh, to make the notes and then holding the pedal down so they're sustaining. And it's a cool, eerie kind of theme. And, you know, the Ultra Q theme is just way too cool.
0: Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, And I do have to mention, uh, is it Yuji Koseki's score for Mothra? I love that score. Um, Beautiful. I, that composer didn't have did that composer ever come back to the genre at all, or was it just one and done? Or
1: I actually don't know. Um, I've only been familiar with his Mothra score.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: Uh, let's. You know, I'm going to ask the internet quickly. <laughs> uh, I'm trying I, to
2: meet you there, but it's
1: not. Nope, nope. Um, uh, some other film scores, but I. Uh, I don't know. Nothing that I can think of that would be in the Tokusatsu oh, wow. Kaiju uh, realm.
0: Matt, where are you on the the Mothra score? Yeah, it's it's
2: a great score. I I like I love I love the uh, Mothra score and especially uh, Ultraman score. And the one thing I was going to mention about Ultraman is that there's some really uh, surprisingly dark moments in Ultraman, and uh, I, I feel like you made a great point earlier talking about how the score keeps it light. Because there's some there's some difficult moments in that series, and I know there's some—I haven't finished After Q yet, but I'm actually working my way through it. Um, the, having a light score kind of keeps that series upbeat because not having a light score would really make it Debbie Downer at times. Like, there's some difficult episodes to kind of get through and some things that happen, and I'm glad that they chose to go with, with the lighter score at times.
1: Totally agreed. I mean, again, remember at, at that point it's like Ultra Q is the first thing on TV, so it's just luring kids in. Um, and though it, it was, it's compared by Western fans like the Twilight Zone and things like that. It, it's more of an outer limitsy kind of you know weekly creature feature kind of thing. Uh, and Ultraman, you know, for the most part, it's it's pretty fun, fast moving show. But there are some moments where, you it's, know, man, it's, it's t-
2: there, there's some tough moments in that in that show that. Like I was not—I was honestly not
1: expecting when I when I first watched it. That's the thing with a lot of the writing is they had such little time for these episodes that whenever it'll take a really quick dark turn and you never (laughs) really expect it to. Yeah,
2: it's like a gut punch just out of nowhere for some reason.
1: Like ah, now you have to think about something. Shit. (laughs)
0: Um. So. uh, I guess we've run through. Uh, I think we've talked about a lot of our favorite scores. Um, you guys want to get into this playlist here? Sure. I mean, do you want to give any primer to anything at all? Uh, I mean, not. I don't think we really need to. I mean, especially since we've covered so much ground with a lot of this stuff. Um, so, I, so if for those who don't know, we started with uh, the appearance of Mechagodzilla is what played us in. Um, which is a great Sato track. We played a clip from that. So up next, it looks like we have Godzilla Comes Ashore by Akira Ifukube, uh, which should be familiar to anyone listening. Um, this is one of my favorite cues from the original movie. Um, I mean, Chris, what what else do we need to know? Is there anything else we need to know about this uh, and why you picked it, et cetera, et cetera?
1: I mean, I I picked it because, uh, you know, it's one of those. It was used in Shin Godzilla, so it's kind of fresh in everyone's mind. Everyone hated how it was used for the most part. Everyone being whatever 70 percent of the fandom complains the loudest, I guess. Um, And I I always liked it because you really hear this disgusting kind of you hear the low, low woodwinds just kind of grinding along. There's two pianos uh, just. I want to say that I forgot what the name of the uh, the device is. The device is basically just something you put on the keys of the piano just to slam them all down. It's got two pianos kind of droning on these just big tonal clusters. It's just this really ugly, dark, morose piece that I've never heard anything like it in in any other film. It's just interesting. Uh If really created something very distinct with it, and I think in in this track in particular, the fact that he even felt the need to use it even in such an odd scene it it sticks out it 's pretty memorable,
0: yeah, all right, so uh enjoy Godzilla comes ashore. All right, that was Godzilla Comes Ashore by uh, Akira Ifukube. Um, now, next up, we have uh, the Ultra Q theme by Kunio Miyachi. Did I say that right, or did I pull a man?
1: Kunio Miyachi. And actually, if you want, you can probably do the next two together, because they're both
0: kind of twangy. Okay. They both have that surfy thing going on. Alright, yeah, we will do that. We'll do the next two together. The first is the Ultra Q theme. And then uh we have uh Yacht, Hurricane, and Monster by Sato uh for Godzilla vs. the sea monster, which uh I think is pretty much it's more or less the Ibera theme, really. Um, kind of I mean he doesn't return to that the surf
1: guitar thing as much that uh that's in this in this queue, but there's some little moments that he kind of uh uses throughout the rest of the film as well, I want to say.
0: Yeah. Uh so um uh again I, I'm with you guys in thinking this is a very underappreciated score. Um so yeah, check out these tracks. All right, so that was the Ultra-Q theme, uh, and uh, we had a track from uh, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Uh, very surfy, kind of twangy stuff, which, as we talked about earlier, is most likely because surf rock was big in Japan in the 60s. Um, Chris, have you heard the Garamones? I have
1: not heard them, but I've read about them. I They're one of those things that I've been hearing, like, oh, wow, they're they're doing covers of, of uh, kaiju stuff, right?
0: yeah yeah they do like um like kind of punky i mean obviously the name is uh a, a reference to garamon the ultra q monster and also the ramones uh the the great <laughs> punk band and they they kind of do punky covers of of kaiju music and they they all dress as like different ultra q monsters but they have a really awesome version of the ultra q theme um matt did i send that to you or did i send you a different one
2: no, you sent you sent me that to me. It was actually pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, because uh, I think I I know they had the Ultra Seven one up. They have a music video for. Her, I think
1: I need to check them out. They're one. I've been reading about them, so I have no excuse other than my own uh, life.
0: Yeah. Um, so next up, uh, I have um, you. You've prepared for us. Uh, Monster Match 3, as in, I guess there's two others at some point, by Richiro Manabe. Um, Now, Matt, this was a request from you, right?
2: (laughs) This this is what you're going to play at my funeral, I suppose. I don't don't know.
1: before or after the question is that's gonna put you in put you down
2: yeah this is when they put me in hospice care this is a song that that i'm gonna play like shortly before
1: i die just to, to take me out hearing this is just gonna this is a really dark intro for a really goofy thing but it's really cool it's really dissonant has a lot of strange weird sounds and banging on the organ I know I think it to me this could come off if there wasn't like a whole orchestra behind it this could come off of any random Japanese psych rock band from the early 70s
0: Um So I would do um Yeah this is a good choice uh I mean I don't know if I would do the uh the the theme or or not. Uh, I think the theme is so like worn out that going with a track like this, that's a little bit more under the radar, is a good uh, a good choice. So uh, enjoy or maybe don't. <laughs> uh, Monster match three from Godzilla vs. etc. Alright, so that was a track from Godzilla vs. Hedera, and up next, we have the title card for the American version of Godzilla's Revenge, which, Chris, on this uh, playlist you sent me is by a fellow named Irvin Jureb. Everyone's favorite. Good
1: old Irvin. Uh, So, who this guy is, I don't know. Um, Where this song came from, I don't know. Uh, It was originally called Crime Fiction. I have... Absolutely no idea where they dug this thing out of, but it's awesome. I've always liked this theme. It's really fun and, it, you know, strange out there, strange, strange vocal noises. Don't really know what he's trying to go for with a thing called crime fiction, and this is what came out of it, but I like it. And I think it fits the movie pretty well.
0: Yeah, it, this is a weird – yeah, I don't know why, why they made this track for this – American release. Just it's just the decision to do this is super strange. Oh, it wasn't
1: made for the release. It oh. was already made for that. It was a track called Crime Fiction that
0: I but, have no idea where it came from but, or what it was just, originally used in. The name Crime Fiction doesn't really fit the weird, like... <laughs> At all, yeah. Warbly, wobbly, like... Whatever. I don't know how to describe this track. So, people, just listen to... Irvin Jareb's Godzilla's <laughs> Revenge theme and try and figure it out because I don't know what's going on here. So if you're still with us, uh, that probably confused you a little bit. We're probably going to confuse you a little more, because now we're getting into some obscurities, uh, which Chris is uh, an expert on obscurities. Um, So here we have the main title theme for uh, the Italian version of Godzilla 54, which is... uh, dubbed Cozilla, because Luigi Cozzi, who's an Italian horror director, put it together. Uh, it's a very weird version of the movie that only survives in the worst-looking VHS transfer ever. Um, I know I sent it to Matt, and he gave up, like, two minutes in, just because... <laughs> it, was,
2: it was it was awful, yeah.
0: it's like I, <laughs> I think it kind of adds to it. It adds to the
1: ambiance. Uh,
0: now... Um, the track itself it sounds like something that would be in an Italian horror movie. It almost has like a goblin-esque. Well, it's funny you mention that, Kyle. Uh,
1: this is <laughs> this is by a band called Magnetic System, which, believe it or not, is made up of Italian composers. One of which, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen any Lucio Fulci movies, but the three members are uh, Fabio Frizzi, who is known for uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie, The Beyond, uh, City of the Living Dead, Manhattan Baby, and of course, uh, Devilfish, made popular by Mystery Science Theater. Um, the other members are Vince Tempera, and uh, I seem to have forgotten to write down the other guy's first name, but his last name is Bixio. And uh, those two are have done a bunch of uh, work together with Fritzi and on their own. Uh, their most notable work, Be the track Seven Notes in Black, which was featured in Kill Bill Volume One, and uh, the soundtrack LP has um, RZA uh, rapping over it. It's the uh, I think it's Ode to um, Oren Ishii. Okay. Yeah, but uh, either way, so you've got three Italian composers, but the most famous one being Fabio Frizzi. And this theme actually, if you listen to it and listen to the zombie theme you can kind of hear where the zombie theme came from in, in this.
0: Okay, I love the zombie theme. Um, all right, so uh, if, if you're a fan of Italian horror scores, this one might just be up your alley. So enjoy the Godzilla theme from Kozilla by Magnetic System. all right so that was the delightfully weird uh theme for the italian version of godzilla by magnetic system now up next we have uh the theme for the obscure and banned prophecies of nostradamus by isao tomita isao tomita yes um matt you own this movie have you gotten around to watching it yet
2: I'm not, but I definitely will because I know we're we'll gonna be talking about it for the uh, for the podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, and this is a uh, a weird score to accompany a weird movie. Um, Chris, I, I, how do you, how would you really explain this this theme here that we we're about to play?
1: I mean, it's a little funky. It's a little orchestral. Um, the composer Isao Tomita was actually a kind of like one of those original synth gods. Uh, He's one of those guys you would see a picture of in front of a wall of of a synthesizer, basically. Uh, He released a lot of albums of um, his own performances of classical music. He did a great version of The Planets. Um, He actually just passed away in the last year, but he was one of those guys who was influenced by uh, Wendy Carlos, formerly Walter Carlos, uh, who did the Kubrick films. But he was just kind of this first wave of synth composers, and it... uh, it's a really unique sound. It's very seventies where you've got this kind of funk backbeat with a full orchestra and a lot of the synth sounds in it are very distinctly Tomita, but yeah, you can find a lot of his LPs and dollar bins all over record stores across uh, the United States.
0: Okay. Um, so, uh, another weird track, which, um, I don't know if you like the jazzier stuff. Um, I don't know. It's almost like what... <laughs> I feel like this is almost what Manabe uh, thought he was doing <laughs> with Godzilla vs. Hedera. Um, but no, it's, it's a cool track. So uh, uh, enjoy the great prophecies of Nostradamus. And if you can get a hold of the movies through uh, certain means, you should. Because it's an interesting film. Well, that was the great prophecies of Nostradamus. Uh, the theme from Prophecies of Nostradamus uh, by Isayo Tomita, um, which is a delightful uh, jaunt into weirdness. Um, now we have. Uh, we're going to go to what uh, I guess will play us out at this point. Um, uh, so our last track on this playlist is. Give Back the Sun um, which is a song from Godzilla vs. Hedera here now Chris, uh, is this uh, a group GHQ that did a cover for this?
1: It certainly appears so. Uh, This is on a compilation series called Go Cinemania, which is a compilation of uh, Japanese soundtrack music. There's a whole bunch of volumes and this one specifically is uh, covers and remixes and stuff. So this is a cover of it. I think the band is GHQ. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but I'm going to research more, but this, this particular series, um, uh, real four, it's called cover rocks has, uh, some other kaiju stuff on it It has a a nine minute remix of, uh, feel in my heart and, uh, or better known as the words get stuck in my throat, nine minutes. It's great. Um, and, uh,
0: why why would anyone do that? Hey, it's not actually, (laughs) it's, it's
1: more of like a, Look, if you're in, if you if you're into Kraut Rocky kind of stuff where it's very repetitive, it's actually not too bad. Uh, and then there's also a pretty cool remix of Psycho and uh, Minya from Son of Godzilla on it as well. So, you know, obscure music nerds and soundtrack people, go track it down, or don't, <laughs> or try and fail because it's, it's really I don't even know how I found it.
0: All right, well. Um... All right, here's Give Back the Sun. well that was our last track Uh, apparently maybe by a group called GHQ uh, covering Give Back the Sun from Godzilla vs. Hedera Um, so uh, we have given back the sun uh, at this point so we're winding down Um, so you certainly gave us an eclectic uh, mix of music we have some well known classics and some obscurities uh overall a good little sample for I mean I it would have been too I I take it the reason there is not too much of Fukube and too much of that stuff is that's stuff people know already right Yeah I mean look you can only say well here's the Godzilla theme well here's the
1: theme from Mothra versus Godzilla and you know it, it gets so oversaturated and as we've mentioned before you know Fukube is is probably my favorite composer probably it all of us honestly So it's almost to me a disservice to just keep showing everyone the same things over and over. I was going to try to squeeze um, one of his tracks that he composed for the um, World Fair Expo 70 in here just because it's a beautiful, really cool, interesting track that uses some similar instrumentation uh, as some of his other scores where, uh, you know, the um, electone organ is on that, which features heavily in some of his scores as well. And some of the themes from that, from the Expo '70, were borrowed for film scores, because you know, he's got so much. But at the same time, there's a variety of interesting, unique music uh, in in Kaiju and Tokusatsu that is kind of overlooked by film score weirdos uh, like like myself and you guys. Uh, just because it's you know not the it's not a fukube. Yeah it's unfortunate because it's really interesting unique music that if you go to the theater now you're not going to come away with anything like this stuff and i think it's it's about time that some of these guys who you know didn't have any real glamour in their life they it was their job sato never did concert works because he didn't find it it was just not something he wanted to do so you know keep spreading this stuff around and the fact that a famous horror composer also did the music for the 70s release of, of Godzilla in Italy. It's kind of cool. The fact that a legendary synth guru did the music for a banned Toho film. It's a disaster film.
0: It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so for spread sure. Spread it around. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I certainly... This, this was a lot of fun. Uh, especially after we just did a... Um, we just did a whole episode uh about politics and we're of of shin godzilla and we're dealing with uh you know the the insane results of an election this this did lift i think i think since we recorded those two back to back i think this lift at least for me this this was rather therapeutic this lifted this lifted my mood a little bit
1: i'm glad if nothing else, that's what I'm here for.
0: Yeah, and hopefully... To, lift, hopef- to yeah. lift <laughs> Yes. Uh, and hopefully we lifted your moods at home. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, this was awesome. And, and especially, I mean, I we've just gotten our feet wet uh, with your knowledge of this stuff and just talking about this stuff in general. So, I mean... Uh, eventually i'm sure we'll do an episode all about ifukube or all about sato and uh yeah I, I think that that would be a lot of fun to do one day so um on that note i mean do either of you guys have any any closing comments um about just this music and you know any recommendations or anything like that
2: no i mean i i, I think uh i just want, i want to thank chris for coming on and Dropping uh, knowledge bombs because I I did learn <laughs> a lot and uh, and check check out stuff that you haven't heard of that would be my recommendation.
1: I think, that, yeah, I think that's an important thing to do. I mean uh, to piggyback at first. Thank thank you guys for having me on. This has been entirely my pleasure. I mean I as I've mentioned uh, to Kyle numerous times is I've been very passionate about this my entire life. But the kind of closed minded. The closed-minded mindset, for a lack of, of better terminology, that comes from a lot of this fandom, turns me off a lot. Where I'm always looking for, well, this is all cool, but what else? Mm-hmm. You know, so much came out. You know, the studio system in Japan lasted into the early '70s, which is much longer than in the U.S. So they were just ch- it was just a sausage factory of just stuff, and they weren't always able to, able to filter out the weird stuff. So the fact that you have a movie like Smog Monster to come out with a strange score, you know the fact that, you know uh, Prophecies of Nostradamus came out the time that it did with this person, all of this, it's really interesting. And I hope that it, any listeners who who made it this far, you know through all of my ramblings about about music. That, you know, however flighty it might be, just look for this stuff. It's out there. Just because Toho doesn't care enough to release it here doesn't mean you can't find it. Look for it. Immerse yourself. Find out who these composers are. No one else is going to is gonna do it. If you look around you, no one else cares about this stuff. The second we stop paying attention, it's when it all starts to disappear and doesn't get reissued. I mean, the, Sato's Throne of Blood score was just reissued. How do we get his other works reissued? We Mm -hmm. pay attention. We talk about it. We share it with people. And the sooner someone who's a horror nerd finds out about, you know, Kozilla or Kozilla, maybe we'll find a print of it. Maybe someone will release it. The more we talk about prophecies of Nostradamus, maybe eventually Toho will find out, hey, guess what? We banned this for really no apparent reason. Maybe we should put it out yeah share this stuff guys look for the weird stuff it's boring without it and if anyone is ever looking for any of this music or you're curious please don't hesitate to reach out to me i'm always happy to point people in the right direction when it comes to music or movies or just like how do i see this because it's there somewhere someone has it
0: yeah you just have to share it. yep and um just i took a quick plug um you can check out uh Chris's stuff on you're on Bandcamp, right? Yeah. Uh yeah. Band, Bandcamp uh, uh look up Cosmic, Cosmic Monster. Monster. And um do you still have all your other stuff up there cuz you've been doing this for years? Um some of it is still up
1: there, some of it is not. Uh I have another batch of releases that are it's going to be slowly filtered out. I kind of went through an equipment breakdown and kind of salvaging a lot of recordings from the last few years, but I've got covers of the Godzilla theme and the Frankenstein Conquers the World theme up uh, from a couple of releases on uh, CosmicMonster.org I think. Either way, Cosmic Monster on Bandcamp Um, and uh, no, CosmicMonster.net maybe? Let's find out. Nope. Nope. Well, Cosmic Monster on Bandcamp Uh, and I've got some more stuff that'll be out soon including the theme for this very show
0: yeah all right um so yeah thank you for joining us um so uh yeah i I guess we will say our goodbyes good night everyone having me good night yeah thanks for for joining us